Hey friends, thank you so much for joining for another amazing episode. But before we get started, I have a quick announcement and I'm going to make it quick, I promise. Now, remember we're talking about the contest. It starts this week for 10 weeks leading up to my 100th episode. Also, we're looking for 10,000 downloads and not to mention the Olympics is right at the end of our contest. So here's the thing. This is how you can win on a weekly basis. What I'm asking is everybody to go subscribe, give us a five star, give us a review, uh, screenshot me and tag me on Instagram at sylviedeu underscore cyclist and you will go in to win that week. I will be going on live, well, I'll be making the announcement Friday on my coaching episode as to who wins the prize. So please share this with your friends, go in and put a great comment and put your notifications on. You don't want to miss out your opportunity to win. And I'm going to have an overall prize for everybody who subscribes from now until the end of the contest. Thanks a lot, guys. And I so appreciate you. Have an amazing day and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling with your host, Sylvie Daou, and my amazing guest who is sitting in Norway, Stephen Sellier. Is that correct? Oh, you're going to have to start over now because you mispronounced my name. No, Seller? Seiler. 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 German. <laughs> Stephen, I'll go ahead. Stefan Seiler. How's that? No? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought I'd put the Quebec it's spin on it. It's not French German. It's just Steven Seiler. <laughs> it's American so, German. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I have to say a big shout out to Joe Friel, who recommended that I get Stephen on the podcast. We have, I'm going to give you a little intro on him. Like, anyways, there's a lot of stuff that you can find out, but Stephen uh, grew up in the United States, so he is, uh, you know, he's an American who's living all abroad, doing his coaching and training, which is super cool, and we're going to dive into that. Um, so he earned his doctorate degree at the University of Texas at, uh, um, and was Stephen Sell Sellier, Seller. Seiler. Seiler, Seiler, PhD, has lived and worked in Norway for the last 25 years as a university teacher, researcher, and leader. Never forget again. Um, but yeah, I want to thank you for, um, for being a guest. Joe, uh, Joe recommended that I should ask you, so thank you very much for, uh, he's like, you should contact this guy. <laughs> he knows a lot. <laughs> 
Well, that's nice of him. Uh, yeah, I, I know Joe, we've met, I know his son through Training Peaks and some talks I've given for, for Training Peaks. And I, I wrote a, I wrote the forward for Joe Friel's latest book on indoor cycling, I think. Oh, so, for uh, Ride Inside? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, wrote, I wrote the, because I do a lot of riding inside right now. <laughs> Don't we <laughs> so, all these days, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think, I think my percentage is pretty darn high uh inside versus outside because i you know i'm just i'm kind of a geek and i i use it as a laboratory as well as the training mode plus it's just super efficient for me so not to and there's a, and there's often snow and ice on the road in norway so that's another excuse so yeah yeah you got you i suppose you're still deep in snow up there right now no 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 it's spring now it's i live on the south coast of norway so we're it's uh 50 degrees C today or 50 Fahrenheit 10 degrees C something like that so it's yeah it's feeling like spring I'm I'm I planted zucchinis and uh, peppers and that, but on the inside you know getting okay. ready to, I was like wow no, 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 uh, yeah on, inside my house and then yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so I'm I'm getting in the in the gardening gardening uh modus so that's actually nice. that's one of the things that i have on my schedule for this week is to my mom recommended brussels sprouts was a good one to get started inside because it just takes i i grew them last year from i bought them um but they took a very long time to mature and by the time i harvested them they were still like mini little balls on the, <laughs> on the so i'm like i'm never, yeah, I'm never gonna just... i'm not gonna grow brussels sprouts that's like I don't know. I hated those when I was a kid. <laughs> I know like nobody tor likes torture them, to be made to eat spinach and Brussels sprouts. But they have an amazing amount of protein, extra protein, I should say. Oh, good grief! Eat some chicken. <laughs> eat some that chicken was the first breast. time I'd ever grown them. I was like, "How is this gonna work?" Like, you know, you buy them the little balls. You know, like, how does this really? <laughs> so, anyways, it was interesting to watch them grow throughout the summer i was like oh yeah that's how it was for me with zucchinis because i didn't know anything about them zucchini squash you know and and uh i'm no garden guy but i'm kind of learning and this, this uh, everybody's you know, becoming a gardener yeah the lockdown uh, you know i was just growing tomatoes before that but then i had to expand my garden because i didn't have anything else to do anyway but the zucchinis just you know they just once they start growing it's oh, just yeah. incredible it's like during the day you can watch them grow you know <laughs> So. just start giving them away to friends like those ones they're completely resilient i've had i've planted zucchinis and i've had them chomped down by by deer at least twice in a season and they'll still, still come back and like produce enough that's that's know, my kind of plan for... so yeah so I, and i <laughs> like spicy friends, food start so, them. so i'm gonna, yeah i had to give away some zucchinis last year already so this year i'm gonna be you know, I'm in production mode. So. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, it's it's spring is is happening here, and it feels good. Excellent. But we're in lockdown. You know, we're it's unfortunately we have this variant, uh, this British variant or English variant of the COVID nineteen. It's kind of taken root here in Norway, and we've had to oh, really wow. increase the uh, the measures. You know, going more into much more of a restricted situation. So. For example, are you guys? Do you have um, digital. the vaccine in there happening as well? The vaccinations are started, but yeah. they're not. You know, they're not 
flying, you know, <laughs> by the time, it, with me not being particularly in the high risk zone, other than getting older, you know, it may be December before I get my vaccine. I don't know. <laughs> I seem to be expendable. Uh, that's the general message that I'm getting from the government yeah. is that I am, I am an expendable. <laughs> Are you clamoring <laughs> so, to get your vaccine though? clamoring I, like I don't think do I'm, you I, do you are you like yes i definitely want to get the vaccine or are you like yeah i'm kind of oh there's for... a bit of trip yeah there's a bit of trepidation because i because i do have a um a pre-existing condition i have a clotting disorder this this laden factor genetic thing where i i found out i need to take a blood thinner and i do Oh, to avoid okay. risk of blood clots and blood clots are associated with COVID-19. So that's why I have a tremendous respect for it. And this uh, one, there's one vaccine that has in Norway, there were, it looked like maybe there was an increased risk of clotting incidents. It I may or that. may not be true. You know, I, I, it's very tough. And these, you know, the statistics are, are troubling to, to get hmm. your head around. But, but anyway, so yeah, I'm, it's obviously no one, it's not like you just run and jump and say, I can't wait to get a shot of some <laughs> fo a foreign agent that will come into my body and, and, uh, and we'll see, you know, assume my body will handle it well. And, and, and there are some side effects, but that's normal with vaccines. You get a flu like little period, you get headaches for some people do. Um, but, I want to be able to travel again. I need to, you know, I want to be able to get out there, do yeah. what I do. And so I think vaccination will probably be an important aspect of, a, of a having some kind of a, a, a COVID passport or whatever to travel. I hope not. I, that's what I'm afraid I, of too. And I'm like, I'm really kind of hesitant like you. And I'm like, but I don't want it to be like, you have to be vaccinated to do this and that and if you can't well that's too bad like you have to like i don't i don't like that feeling of being forced to into something that i'm not completely comfortable with yeah well yeah. I, I, I don't think any of us do but i think it may be the airlines are just doing what they're going to do whatever they can to bring back a sense of uh, normality and, mm -hmm. and that people feel safe to fly because they're, if not, they're going to go under, you know? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so, I know. so, so they're ready they to put, use whatever means. Yeah. yeah, I know. They put a lot of like, you can leave, but when you come back, you have to <laughs> do all these things. And, and a lot of people like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make it worth it for me, but so let me just introduce myself to you. <laughs> Again, thank you. Um, Sylvie Dau, I'm here in Quebec, Canada. So I'm uh, up, uh, yeah. And um, and so... You don't sound particularly Canadian. Oh, what do you mean Canadian? You're you mean Quebecois? Yeah, what, are, what do we call you? <laughs> you sound <Canadian>. American. <laughs> no, I'm you from Quebec. Ca I'm an English Anglophone from Quebec. I do speak French. Quebec. Quebec, you say. Okay, not Quebec. Okay. Quebec. Yeah, I, I have Quebec. some friends. I've been, I've been in Toronto. I've been in, uh, in Montreal? British Columbia. Uh, no, I haven't been in Montreal, but I've been in oh. Toronto and I've been in, uh, on uh, Victoria Island. I've been mm -hmm. in uh, uh, Vancouver, uh, flew through Calgary. But, but yeah, so in the last few oh. years, I finally, finally visited Canada a bit. You have to go to Montreal and then come up and visit the capital. Ottawa. 
And that's where I but am. As long as, as long as you guys don't make me feel stupid for not knowing French. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, it's not that much of a separation here. Like, you know, English is kind of, it depends where you go in Quebec, but you probably won't go to those areas. But uh, so, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just stay among like, my in the people. depths of Quebec, so not not where uh, where you'd probably typically travel. But um, yeah, so I have a, a women's cycling club here. I've been cycling coaching and riding for like 20 years. And I started this podcast like two years ago, uh, 2018, just doing some Facebook live interviews. And then um, I really wanted to start this. And so I just kick myself into getting rolling um, and making it official in December. So I've done 50 interviews. Well, sorry, I've got, I'm up to 50 episodes and, uh, and, you know, I was, I was able and fortunate and lucky enough to get Joe, which was Joe and Jim on the, um, on the, on my interview and my podcast. Um, he must have been in my LinkedIn tree because I sent a Christmas, you know, New Year's, Happy New Year's to everybody. And he responded. I was like, oh, my gosh. And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. I'm like, ah, would you be on my podcast? He's like, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then he referred you. And so here we are. And um, and so like my background is I work with a lot of beginner masters cyclists um, here through the club and um, and my uh, my vision or my focus is to uh, work towards closing the gap in 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 cycling but at the junior level you know like at high school like really putting mm -hmm. together I'm in the process of kind of putting together um, an idea to launch like uh, a program to target wimp female cyclists at the high school level and start uh, building up females in cycling at, you know, at a younger age, which right. is the big gap. 13 is kind of where they drop off because they hit high school and things like that. So sure. that's kind of my, uh, my focus these days. Okay. Slowly but well, surely, but we should start the podcast. <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah, so, well, I, I don't know when it actually starts. Anyways. I don't know. Well, I, you know, I might just add all this banter, but I haven't done the intro yet. <laughs> and so is it Stephen or Stefan or? Yeah, just Stephen is fine. Stephen, yeah. okay. I'll put the French twist on it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to start with um, your story on how you got into cycling so you're gonna have to dig deep back to like oh yeah no worries i got that back to like i don't know you're 13 nine years old say or whatever no, wherever no, it yeah, started yeah. um because yeah. that's that's what i really like to to go back to and if you want i was listening to your ted talk i listened to it like twice i was able to get to that was the recent one that you sent in your email oh uh, okay and we could talk about that. No pain, no gain. Um, I love it's, that it, concept because a lot of people still use it. And I loved um, what you were talking about uh, with regards to training in the green over the red and 
you know, how you, I mean, we could dive into that if you want. It's your, your podcast. So I, you know, I, no, but this is, I'm know, just thinking about I do things a lot that of work on training. On. Yeah. So I can tell you my baseline was that I, uh, or my background for you or for this podcast was that, look, yeah, I do. I've done a lot of podcasts. I gotta be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, triathletes, uh, I mean, people who work with triathlon, cycling, running, and I've said yes to, you know, podcasts from Australia to India to Nor to Europe. And, but most all of them, I'm trying to think, not all, but 90% plus have been men. The, 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 the men have been leading the podcast and the audience has probably been predominantly men. And so, and, and it's the same on my Twitter account with 14,000 followers. It's just, I don't know why, you know, because I know that, that there are lots of female endurance athletes. There are lots of female cyclists, but there's an underrepresentation in the I, discussion, in the discussion. I agree. So that's why it, it was pretty no brainer if Joe recommended it and you were, you were working with women. Uh, in cycling and I thought okay that's you know I, I do you want to talk about that I don't like where do you yeah, I can... I, for me training is training but of course there are rel there are some issues I have a daughter you know that I, I'm her I'm her coach and, and she's the only athlete I coach day to day uh, so How I am sensitive she? she's 22 now 20 okay. coming up on 23 um, but she was a dancer for 10 years competitive dancer and and so I've, I've followed her whole, you know, I was her coach mm -hmm. when she was a foot, a soccer player. And so I've been Great. there through years, but, but, but yeah, I do have some sensitivity to some of the gender issues that may or may not be relevant in a training situation. Uh, and, that's why and us so, women are here to help, but that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Let's get started before we start like chatting about everything and not getting it started here. Um, I might just bring some of that stuff and add it, you know, but, uh, okay. So let me just, uh, so I'm just going to go through just a little bit, like a couple of the sentences that you have here, not through, through the whole thing, uh, but whatever. I don't I, believe me. I'm pretty low key on all that stuff. So don't worry. Okay, cool. Well, I do want to give you some sort of an intro. <laughs> so we are going to dive into a lot of, well, we have a couple topics that we are going to um, talk about. Um, there is a Ted talks that I want to showcase, but we're also going to maybe take a swing at, um, you know, females in cycling, which is a topic because a lot of these podcasts are, you know, kind of male dominant. Uh, maybe you could agree. And, you know, maybe we'll just dive into a couple of things, but you can look at Stephen's, um, his website, science-cycling.org. He has some interesting stuff there. Um, I was currently also looking at one of your YouTube uh, videos that you made in April of last year, talking about COVID and indoor training. Um, lots of things we can talk about there too. Um, and then we could just sort of tie it all in with the no pain, no gain kind of thing to 
of indoor cycling and how maybe um, we're all kind of maybe tad overdoing it on indoors because we have free time to sit on of our on our trainers and um, and Swift. I'm just going to use Swift as an example because. I'm on there and I know Steven is as well, that it provides a massive amount of opportunity to ride like 24 hours a day. So yeah, you can, I was just looking at, you know, group rides, races that are like 3 a.m. in the morning, like they're every hour on the hour you could be racing somewhere doing something. And uh, let's just dive into um, your feelings about that as a, you know, a science coach um, and your background. Sure. Well, my background is, you know, I grew up in the United States. I played foot, American football, played, ran track and field, you know, did all those things. And to my entry into cycling, if you don't count my Schwinn banana bike and all the, the you know, the. <laughs> you had a banana know, all, bike too? Oh, yeah. With the banana. Oh, oh absolutely. You know, so I, I, I had all that stuff. And, uh, and also the big wheel and different things like that. But the cycling came, uh, I think, as it does for some, uh, as a rehabilitation issue because I, I tore a patellar tendon and I, and I was coaching with kids and I slipped on wet grass and tore a tendon, had surgery, and I, and I used a bike for rehabilitation. Oh, okay. And being, I don't know how it happened, but anyway, I ended up six weeks after that, I was at a race. And, you know, just a local citizens race, borrowed a bike and got third in this little local race, you know. And so then I thought, hmm, maybe, maybe given that I'm skinny and I'm never going to be an American football player anyway. And, you know, I might as well try some endurance stuff. And so uh, I did some cycling. I did road cycling. I was doing my master's degree and I was training on the bike. My first bike was a Cannondale. And uh, that was when Cannondale was brand new. This was probably 80, 87, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, That's when I got my first bike too, like 89, 90, 91. Was this your introduction to cycling? Like, I forgot to ask. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean of, yeah, in any kind of real way. I mean, good grief. Growing up in the country in Texas yeah. and Arkansas, gravel roads and that. Yeah, but, right you know, by cycling was at best, you were just some nerd that, you know, either you were a kid when it's okay, but as, once you hit like 12 or 13, there's no way you're going to be caught dead on a bike, you know, because you, you want to be driving a car or yeah. something, you know, right. You know, I was driving a car at 16. Everybody does in the country. Mm -hmm. So bikes, you know, were not cool. They weren't a transport medium, to be honest, yeah. of any, you know, of any real meaning after you got into your teens. So the, the whole, but the cycling thing came in because you had Greg Lamond at that time. I was watching when I was a master student at the university, I'm, I'm studying exercise science. Well, that's when he is coming on the stage in the Tour de France and winning, winning the Tour de France and beating Laurent Fignon in that, in that amazing time trial that he wins. Uh, he, he was down like 50 seconds and he wins by 58 he wins the tour de france by eight seconds and and his opponent from france was just never the same i mean he was so crushed <laughs> but, but 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 greg lamont uh, that was the very beginning of some aerodynamics issues yeah. where, where the riders were figuring out he was using a little 
uh, an extender bar and he was getting into a reasonably arrow position and, you know, wearing a decent helmet and, and, and Loren Fignon is basically sitting up like he's, you know, driving through Amsterdam or something. And, and, uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, and so it was the beginning and, and it was just intriguing and interesting. And, and, uh, yes. So then I got into cycling and, but then I started my PhD program and, you know, cycling just sucks time. It, it is a, you do use a lot of time uh, or you can, you know, you can, yeah. you can use as much on it as you choose. You can use time on your bike. You can use time on the, on the, the road. You know, there's just many ways to use a lot of time. Uh, so I was running, I didn't have it. And so I thought, I right, this is tough. And anyway, I got convinced to try rowing, uh, because it was a rowing club and I ended up becoming a rower and rowing competitively for 10 years. And I'm also oh, wow. tall. And so rowing, rowing suited me there too. Cause in cycling, I was just this huge, everybody wanted to just get behind Drop me. Behind and, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, let him be the tractor, you know? So anyway, As so in woman, rowing, like I was guys like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I was <laughs> in rowing, you know, we're all tall. And so I, I fit in there and enjoyed rowing just wonderfully. My best man at my wedding was a rower and and uh, I, I competed there for 10 years, but then I, you know, got injured. I had a surgery on my shoulder. And so, you know, as you get older, you just start sl driving slalom around your injuries and things that happen. And, and um, just in recent years, I just came back into cycling a bit and, uh, and with, and then Zwift came along and it just appeals to me because I'm busy. I'm, yeah. I like data. <laughs> I'm a scientist <laughs> yeah. and Swift, I can download <laughs> my workouts and, you know, and I can use, so, so yeah, I've, I, I think I'm currently, I have been on Zwift 860 hours. How uh, many, well, when did you start on Swift? Uh, December, I believe I want to say it's December, 2018. So, oh, okay. I think that so was probably right when it was... about so, so 2019, 2020. Now I'm in my third year of Zwift. Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, do you up, have a Tron bike as well? Oh yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I've had a I have Tron the Tron bike, bike and then the other Tron bike. I've had a, yeah, but I don't even use the Tron bike. It's so passe. I mean, I, I, I oh, God. you don't change uh, the colors on it. <laughs> uh, no, see, that's, that's just silly. That's just, no, I, the, the, it turns out, but geeks like us, you know, I don't know if you, but we read the cycling comparisons in Zwift and we have found out that the Tron is not actually as fast as it may look cool, but it's not the fastest bike in your, in your garage. Oh. Uh, so I ride the specialized Venge S works, for example, pretty much wow. all the time. It's, it's fast. See, I don't have that option yet. I'm just no, still see, at level like 15. I'm at level 50. So yeah. I am, I am so far ahead of you that, you, you know, I can't even see, <laughs> I know, I can't I'm even gonna... see you from where I'm at in my yeah, level. I know, I know, I got it. I got it. You okay, have to just, have started like back then to be there. Don't worry. I'm going yeah. there. No, it's fun. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm, yeah, not gonna ride I'm, outside I'm doing a time trial tonight. I, I got a time. I, I'm recovering from two bro broken ribs, but I'm 15, 16 days out and I'm starting to get healthy oh, again. This is gonna be good. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. Uh, or is it silly? You, know, you know what? You know what kettlebells are? Oh yes, I train on kettlebells. Yeah. Yeah, me what too. It's great. I've got kettlebells at home, and I've got the just like iron kettlebells straight from the the 
Russian special forces, you know, they're the most crude looking you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm doing push-ups, you know, holding the handles and doing different core stuff. And I've done this years. I've done it a thousand times. But just one of them, I'm piked up and one of them slipped. It rotated on me. And the, I've always thought, well, I don't want to break my wrist if this ever happens, you know. And so in my mind, I was just thinking about my wrist. But my body weight just fell full bore onto that iron ball right on the ribs, just right on the side of my, and, and I just felt it. I heard the crack, you know, and I was, and I, you know, you get this immediate, um, wow. shock, you know, like, <gasps> what have I done? And so yeah, I thought, oh. my brain just said, you just broke your ribs, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was bad. Oh, it, wow. Uh, ribs. I can tell you, I can see it. It's, it's painful. It is pain. Rib and everybody I talk to that's had a broken rib just says, yeah, it just hurts because the ribs, they move, you know, mm-hmm. constantly when you breathe. Plus if you cough or something, you'll, you'll pass out from the pain. And, <laughs> and, and if you, any, any Forget kind of movement. Sneezing. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I, I, I managed to avoid sneezing for 10 days. And then on the 10th day I sneezed, I almost blacked out. It was just so painful still after 10 days. Um, in fact, your brain almost won't let you do a full sneeze. It just stops. It, it, yeah. it, it almost, it just paralyzes the, it doesn't let the sneeze actually <laughs> go through, you know, cause it's that bad. You know? mm-hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, so, but, but I was able to get back on the bike reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I could ride the bike before I could um, sleep in a bed, actually. Oh. Uh, you know, I couldn't sleep supine for two weeks, uh, but I could ride after a couple of days, three days, really slow, really easy. You know, <laughs> and then, get the stationary uh, bike out. Yeah, well, I have a trainer. I've got the Tax Neo bike. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm geared up. Let me tell you, I got my own. I've kicked my kids out of my out of their bedroom. One of I kicked my teenage son out. Well, he not really, but but he he likes to ham it up, anyway. And so I took it over as my cycling room. And uh, yeah, I was I was watching your um your video. Okay, you guys have to go to his YouTube channel, but um. I was watching your video from April and you were making like, you're showing different pictures of pain caves and you know, like the, the deluxe pain cave, you know, like the, like the, anyways, the view, the TV, the windows, and then you got the kitchen and then you got the ironing board, which is exactly what (laughs) I did was go and grab my, my ironing board has never had that much action in like 15 years. You know, it's like up, down, up, down, over here. It's right over there. And and I just had to laugh out yeah. loud because like. <laughs> it all it works. Like, and even, even some of the top cyclists in the world, when they set up for Zwift, you know, they're, it's ramshackle. I mean, they're just doing whatever, you know, they're in yeah. their garage or so, it, you know, if you, if you can push on the pedals, it just doesn't matter. And I think that's, that's, that's a great equalizer, you know, cause when you get out, when you get on that, on that Zwift platform, everybody's kind of the same. It really doesn't matter. You know? Uh, yeah. so that, I think it's nice. And, and I enjoy, I, I do, you know, a lot of times I ride alone, you know, but, but I also do group rides and races and, and, uh, try to find disciplined groups like the, you know, the, the Germans, they're pretty disciplined. So if they oh, say I, they're going to be, I, a, 
yeah, at 2.5 watts, they, they hold, they stick to it. Whereas the Dutch, they just go off like a herd of banshees and you never, there's no control at all. So, so that, <laughs> you know, you just, after a while, you just know, okay, this ride is going to be crazy and you just live with it. This ride is going to be controlled. And so you know what you or Maybe want that's what you're, you're looking for. I'm like, I'm looking for the one that's just going to give me a little bit of a, a push over the nice, slow and steady kind of pace yeah. so it's it, you can find every personality in the group the group dynamics are different in different group rides and 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 people are different and and we're all tempted by and, and this kind of moves us into the the issues that i think i work a lot of, on training which is how you distribute your intensity you know from day to day do you go right. out every day and just do medium hard, you know, because you feel like you, you, you need to really work hard, but you've got limited time. And th this is kind of this black hole I've talked about where you, you kind of, as our brains just tend to, the default will be because of time, because of mm -hmm. various mechanisms, we will tend to end up riding at kind of medium hard pace or threshold pace or you know right at yeah. our red line there's different ways of describing it for i don't know 45 minutes or an hour and then we'll feel pretty good and we're we're tired and you know but but if you do that every day you stagnate really quickly and 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 elite performers good performers that's just not what they do they mm -hmm. you know and that's that's been my discussion whether it's through ted talk or through published research or through working with elite teams and whatever is to try to understand what can we learn from the best and then how does it apply to us uh you know regular people with jobs and so forth and mm -hmm. and that's that's been one of the big issues and and the reality is is that uh you really shouldn't go out every day and train as hard as you can or push as hard as you can. You need to, you've got to find a flow in your training, a, mm -hmm. a rhythm in your training. And, and that takes some discipline. But when you, when people do that, they get better, you know, and they stay healthy and they have yeah. fun, you know, so those are good reasons. You know? <laughs> yeah. I re um, I really enjoyed your Ted talk. The one that um, we're going to share with everybody in the description and, and I want you to elaborate more on why, you know, training in the green, let's just say that zone one, zone two is, and doing, I always call it the 80, 20 rule, 80% yeah. endurance, zone one, zone two, 20% intensity. So if you set up like your training hours for 10 hours a, a week, then two of them should be you know, you're higher intense and then the rest should be just straight up endurance. Would you kind of, is that how you would explain it? Or do you have another <laughs> Well, to be honest, to be honest, Sylvia, you're, you, that's, I'm the guy who said this the first time that the way back in 2004 and 2006, I published papers where one of them or both of them, I used terms. One of them was polarized training. Yeah. And the other was this distribution of, at that time, I think I actually, it was more like, I didn't exactly say 80, 20, but it was 75, 25. It was, yeah. you know, in that ballpark, but, mm -hmm. and then Matt Fitzgerald wrote the 80, 20 running book. He contacted me and he says, look, I, I'm basing this book on your research. And, 
and uh and then i of course i get the book and yeah he he mentioned me 45 times or something in the book <laughs> and so that was flattering and then his second book was 80 20 triathlon um, uh-huh. and so yeah and so that came from research we did here in norway back in the early 2000s okay. uh, the, and the polarized concept and, and and of course it just much to my surprise i know it, it just kind of took off as a as a term as a and, and of course, as these things happen, anytime these terms are used, they also get misused, mis, misinterpreted, mis, yeah. uh, so that's just part of the territory. Uh, but both polarized training and 80-20 training come, you know, I, I, I don't think those terms were ever used before we published them back then, but that's been 15 years ago, more than well, 15 years you ago. know, 15 years ago is about, probably about when I started training and racing, 2005. And uh, began coaching, and I don't know where I got that, but um, it certainly makes sense to me. Just you know, talking through with other athletes, um, say like ultra runners, um, they spend a massive amount of time doing like zone one shuffles, right? Like (laughs) just (laughs) it's a shuffle, (laughs) but for but but they go long, 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 long distances. Like I have a good friend of mine, you, maybe you've heard of him, Ray Zahab. He's, um, he's an ultra, he's not even ultra runner anymore. Like he does huge um, expeditions, like thousands and thousands of kilometers, whether he's running, skiing, fat biking, winter, desert, tropical, like you should, yeah, he's a pretty amazing. Um, and I just remember him, you know, like one of his friends asked him for a training <laughs> program. He's like, here, zone one for two hours, like hills, flats. Yeah. And yeah. he's just like, what? He's like, yeah. Do well, it. and that's it's the boring. thing. And, and it's not true just for these ultra people. You might think, no. oh, yeah, well, they're just, they're just weird. But the reality is, is that, that, uh, in fact, the, the, the first groups that we looked at really closely were, for example, rowers, Mm -hmm. uh, and rowers, their competition distance is 2000 meters. It takes them six, seven minutes. Uh, so it's just full gas, you know, but the training, most of the training is at a much lower intensity, you know, low stroke rates. And they're just building that, that aerobic machinery. And then they do some, uh, high intensity interval training. Then we looked at cycling. We looked at running. We looked at cross country skiing. Cross country skiing races are incredibly intense. Yeah, you yeah. know, ten kilometer races for for females and and fifteen for men, and and uh, they they take under you know thirty minutes or less. But they are doing hours of this extensive yeah. training. You know. And so what we saw was this pattern that did it. It was kind of not. It was independent of sport and largely independent of competitive distance, you know, that, that there was this pattern emerging of this about 80%, about, as you say, eight out of every 10 sessions, uh, seven to eight, uh, you know, and by hours, if you're looking on a pulse uh, clock, a heart rate monitor, it might be 90% and 10%. If you're actually looking at at time in zone with heart rate uh, that, you know, 80% of sessions, 90% of time in zone, is at an intensity that's below that so-called first lactate threshold. It's, we often call it talking pace or green zone or, 
it's, I won't call it comfortable. I mean, you're working, it's, it's, it's deliberate, it's work, but it is sustainable for a long time. Yeah. Particularly once you've gotten comfortable, you do it, you know, used to doing it. You know, even I'm kind of an old sprinter type tweener, middle distance ish person. And now I can do three, four hour sessions, even on Zwift at this pace. So that's, that's what we're talking about. It's doable for a long time. Um, but, and then we're going to, we're going to throw in some spice with, with some, you know, various kinds of high intensity sessions. They can be threshold. They can be VO2 max intervals. They can be, you know, sprints. There's lots of ways to do that. Uh, but, but if you get that balance, right, then the, the data just shows time and time again, that the athletes stay, uh, healthy, uh, and they tend to, you know, yeah. you get continuity you know, cause endurance training is about putting together hundreds of workouts. Right. You know, if you think about it, you know, I, I often ask people when I give a talk, how many, how many workouts are you going to do this year? And if you, you know, cause we don't usually, we often are so focused on the, the, the workout today or the workout mm-hmm. plan this week or the, but as said, just back up, get up in the helicopter, lift yourself up and look and say, how many times am I going to do a workout this year? Right. And I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm 55 and I'm just doing, you know, just messing around, but I still will be training about 300 times this year, right? Six mm-hmm. days a week. I train six yeah. days a week. Uh, of course, elite performers train twice a day. That number may be more like 500, even yes. 600 times a year. So the point of that is to say that given that if you're doing something hundreds of times a year, it better be sustainable. Mm-hmm. It better you better come into a pattern that that is sustainable because it does matter. If you do that, you you get continuity, you get long term development, and that's usually what we see is when athletes have great seasons. What they say is, "Well, I, I stayed healthy this year. I didn't have a major injury. I was able to do that preseason build. I got the volume in." Those are the kinds of things they'll say that that made their season. They won't say, oh, well, I had that epic interval workout back in March. It was the key to my whole success. That, that, that is never what they say. What they say is the big picture, the continuity, the, st- the you know what I'm saying? The, the, the stability of the training, stacking it week after week, that's what gives them uh, what leads to uh, breakthroughs. And, and, and yeah. so that's an important lesson, I think. Well, I've, you know, I... I, I didn't get onto on Swift until December, like very first time. I was I was watching all my my uh, uh, my club mates get their trainers, get on, start training them. Like, hmm. I felt I felt a little FOMO, which I'm sure everybody does. They're like, oh my gosh, everybody's training. They're going to be so fit in the in the spring. I better get on. on board and da 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 and um so but the the thing is that as the coach i'm like "Mm, i have to do this in a smart way that is going to be effective for me instead of just getting on my bike and riding 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 doing all this interval stuff racing fast groups like no downtime Uh, i'm just completely exhausted and i'm just sitting there well we will see what the spring holds for those girls who are like that, right? Like, and I'm like, and then I picked up, actually picked up Joe's 
book ride inside because i was feeling this little anxiety about it and i'm like oh you know i sh i know i should jump on this bandwagon because it's not a trend anymore um and i do will need to effectively train myself this year i've never really done it i always take to taking the winter off and and trained a little bit mountain biking you know downhill skiing stuff um but so i listened to it i got the audio version and I'm like, wow, I, you know, he made me feel comfortable about getting on Swift with a purpose, you know, and I was like, ah. and everything that I coach, it was kind of in there, like the pedal stroke form and everything he was talking about and the inefficiency of con sometimes being on the trainer, you know, like how it can make people inefficient. Maybe we should talk about that. I don't know if you want, but um, so anyways, I got the book and I was like, because he was referring all these pages and I'm, you know, so I need to get the book so I can kind of read through it myself. Take notes, and it made, you can highlight pardon? the, do you highlight with yellow or? <laughs> yeah, I went through yeah. there. There's a couple areas, but at the end, you know, he had like workouts and things. So, so I got it and I got on and then I'm like, okay, the coaching in me is like, this is what I need. I need to organize myself have a certain amount of endurance base, certain amount of harder workouts and schedule everything in. And um, so I, I feel that I did a good job for myself, but I am watching a lot of these girls like be tired, be fatigued, you know, like, you know, you hear this stuff, my heart rate's never, like it's never elevated or it's too elevated. I just yeah. like feel exhausted. Um, and, yeah, they're, uh, they're just they're just pushing too hard it's just it, it the, the recipe if you want to make an athlete stale and stagnated and and you know then all you do is just have them train medium hard every day and and that you know for an hour and and man zwift that's what it's designed for you know yeah. it, it, the, the the default that will tend to happen on zwift will be that you'll tend to every day you'll end up finding some silly race or some one hour group ride and the group rides tend to at least the guys and apparently the girls too they <laughs> tend to just start half wheeling each other and pretty soon it's all hell breaks loose there's no there's no <laughs> discipline at all and and so you know and everybody forgets what the point of the ride was is oh you know i had a I had a interval session yesterday today's just going to be an extensive you know and i actually should probably try to get two hours in because that would be good but do they do that no they go bananas and so and then they say well i'll do better tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and here we go again so it's just you yeah. fall into this this rut and uh and we discuss this a lot and, and when and this happens of course in sports in general but zwift is just particularly conducive to it mm -hmm. uh, but when athletes get i think when they when they manage to leave their e their ego at the door yeah. uh, in, in this case the door to the pain cave or whatever if you can do that then and and get on the bike on zwift or anywhere but get on on zwift and say you know what today it's two hours. I'm going to be listening to this podcast I've been wanting to listen to and the sun. I'm going to be looking out the window and, and I'm chill and I'm riding it at, you know, at a comfortable pace for two hours. I'm going to drink. I'm going to make sure things I've got the fans going and I do not care if some upstart dude cycles past me today. I don't care. Now tomorrow I will kick his ass because it'll be a race, <laughs> but, but that's, 
that's tomorrow today. And that's, that's what we see with elite athletes. They're very good at this. They're disciplined. Uh, and that, and if you manage to do that as a, as a regular type on Zwift, if you've managed to put that ego away on the days mm -hmm. when you want to just, you know, you've got a plan, you'll get better. It works, you know, but it does take a bit of emotional, uh, you know, self-confidence to say, you know, yeah. I, I don't have to chase every squirrel that comes by, <laughs> you know, that's what dogs do, but that's not, I'm not a dog. I, I've got this, this, you know, well-tuned brain that is supposed to be able to handle all these temptations. I think you'll be, so here's something I did, Steve is on Thursdays, I did a two hour ride, but I set myself up with a workstation. And I, <laughs> <laughs> so I have my lap, no, I, and it's seriously like two hours, I would sit and I would work and I would listen to like Clubhouse or a podcast and I would just get like little mundane stuff done that I do, you know, like, you know, some research or maybe a couple emails or, you know, like just stuff uh, that I could do in this position while keeping a 90 RPM, that which was my only focus, uh, very low <laughs> and, you know, swift in the background. And that was my Thursdays. So that was part of my endurance ride. And... <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, I if it works for you, that's great. It's a, it's a little bit too much multitasking for me, but, but, uh, I know. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, that, I gotta say that kind of falls into some gender kind of characterizations, you know, Oh, of, let's talk about that. <laughs> no, I, I feel that like that female? is, that is a great way for me to get in trouble. Uh, oh no. You know, I got but, the idea from actually another female. Who does yeah, that well, she's a chiropractor I, I, and she and she uses it as her time to like do her reports in the morning and i remember her telling me about this i'm like what really and i was like hmm that's what i'm gonna do but just i, one I, day I wish week. i could do that but yeah well that's and and i i remember when i was training at the university training center the fitness center and and I was always captured by, you know, if you, there was always this group that, you know, had the step machines and the treadmills, oh, yeah. but particularly the step machines, the step machines were very popular among this, the female students and, and the women in general, but they would almost always, you got the step machine, it pay, you paid a lot of money. It's got all these bells and whistles and it's got dots and it's got numbers and it's got the calories and the heart rate. And, yeah, yeah. and what, what would the average female user do? They would take a magazine and just cover <laughs> the first thing they would cover do. Cover all the data? <laughs> cover up every, every number. And I was like, what? How could you do that? I, cause I would be fixated on the data, you know, of course it, and, and I think that is like different a, 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 ideas. We're just here for the, the booty burn. Yeah. And yeah. See that, that, and so that is <laughs> like, at no, the no, most no. gross characterization. Oh, you know, just a generalization, the males on Zwift males training in general will tend to be more kind of like numbers oriented they want to mm -hmm. see their heart rate they want to measure stuff they're going to be fixated on the power and, and things like that and and the technology of the bike and all this crap yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the like, the female athletes the female exercisers will tend to use distraction approaches like you you know you're 
doing something else that is yeah. taking your brain away from the task or the yes. fatiguing aspect of the task. And these are the <laughs> two typical approaches to exercise. You either focus and you kind of channel in and listen to every muscle and every movement, or you do the opposite, which is to um, kind of distract yourself. Right. Yeah. And both are good alternatives. You know, I think the distract yourself alternative is great on those long, easy days. Yes. And um, that's the only time I do it. Otherwise yeah. I am full focused on like what I'm doing. Cause if I'm going to do a workout, I will pick a workout, you know, like office swift. And so I go in there and I am intentionally working out um, mm. over when I'm just riding or I have one group ride that I go on. And yes, remember you're saying like, it's a hammer fest. All you need is one person pushing a little bit and it doesn't mean male or female. Cause I can tell you that nobody wants to, you know, everybody wants to have that little extra edge in front. I know like what I I'm like a little sprinter. So like, I will always go for that, that, uh, you know, the person who, sprints away or the i'm looking for the word for it yeah so i will always be on that wheel um and (laughs) i was just like wow and you know before you know it you got like and i just look at the time like oh my gosh are we gonna continue this for another half an hour (laughs) until the end of the ride because i'm like i better just like pace myself but (laughs) but yeah Yeah. i totally those rides exist (laughs) and well the other thing is is of course, we all, and I've done research using very standardized training sessions, four times eight minutes, four times four minutes, four mm. times 16 minutes, you know, we, and we, oh, the number of publications that are available in the literature comparing all these different magic formulas. And, and, and what's your favorite? What we, I, I don't have that. You can't get me to do it. Can say it because there's oh. really no, it depends on where I'm at in my brain and, and what I'm trying to achieve. And, and really what I want to go to is, is to the, the, the reality of it is that I've found using Zwift is that, look, if you let it happen organically, you know, you can get a fantastic training session. Sometimes I'll just, you know, you use just like in a race. And that's one of the interesting things. If you, if you want to train cyclists to race, they have to be both proactive sometimes and reactive sometimes. But one thing they never do is they don't follow a recipe because races never happen that way. They don't ever evolve as six times, three minutes of hard work with the warm up, (laughs) and it does not happen. Mm -hmm. And so we prepare our athletes with these very structured workouts where they get used to, I've got 10 seconds left. Well, in a race, you don't know when you're done. You don't yeah, yeah. know when the push is over the, or the bridge is completed or the, and, and so that takes a different mentality that is more open to unexpected things. And it's more organic and the push may be 30 seconds here. It may be a minute here. It may 10 there. It may be a four minute, you know, so I call it organic interval training. And, and that is a wonderful, that's real. That's what happens in races. And that's what you're preparing for. And I think you can do that and, and do it with satisfaction 
on Zwift. You can use, yeah. uh, use the, what we call affordances, use what happens in the ride. But, but what you do is you go into that ride and say, today's going to be a hard day. Yes. This is, this is a hard session, but I'm going to let it evolve. You know, I'm going to bridge to different groups. I'm going to use the climbs. I'm going to do some sprints. And when you put that all together, you've got a hell of a workout. You have done, you've gone through all the gears. You've gone mm -hmm. through the zones. You've done a lot of high intensity work, right? And it's been, it's been more race relevant in a way because you start yes. to get an understanding yeah. of what you handle how many seconds you can have the afterburner on yeah. uh, you know and, and come up in some high power and and then shut it down and not get kicked off the back of the group yeah. because that you know that's that's all what it's often about is is burning your matches and conserving your energy you know and distributing it so if we want to teach you know youngsters how to do this since i think sometimes it's good to be more organic in it and not always super structured with the hard workouts yeah, no, Does that make I, sense? I, I agree. Oh yeah, totally. And um, I think, like you said, those those rides are like you go into the with an intention and yeah. you let it run out. And um, you know, some because I was I was just thinking, you know, I when that group ride was on sat always on Sundays, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to use this as a harder intense workout. But you know what? I would look and see who showed up which is kind of like mm. the start line right so i'm like mm. she's going to be pushing the pace and she's going to be and then i'm going to be obviously reactive to her so i'm like this is going to be hard workout because <laughs> otherwise yeah. if they're not there it doesn't happen you know what i mean like okay. uh, there are some uh, girls who just like the pace is pushed from the like the start and right. i'm like and i'm always gonna for me that's just me I'm always going to be reactive to that and I'm always going to be on their wheel and I'm going to be at their shoulder the whole time. And we will sprint for those sprints all the time. Right. <laughs> and I was always trying to get the upper edge all the time. And so I just know that that ride is going to be from gas on from the beginning to the end. And that's just it. Yeah. And then, then there are some rides that are just harmonious. And I'm like, wow, this is really nice. Yeah. So, and that's right? great, you know, because, you know, but because she didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Well, for me, I mean, I, I'm, I've gotten to the point where if it's a group ride, then, then I can control myself. If it's a race, it's a race, you know, and oh, so, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I use races as hard sessions, you know, Oh, for sure. And, and that's, a, that's the other thing you have to remind people of is obviously, you know, when you interject a race on Zwift, it's very tempting, but you got to count that as one of your hard sessions. Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't think you're going to do two hard interval sessions and another race or maybe two. Then you're going to quickly burn out. You're going to quickly be in yeah. that state where you can't get your heart rate up and things like that. So, you know, when you're doing your accounting, race equals hard session. You can choose structured interval session or race, but they're both, they count as, as, as a hard session. You know, and you just decide. And, yeah, and then you do the 80-20 rule, and you're like, okay, I'm going to have a nice ride the day after, or maybe it's going to be recovery day or something, or I'm going to do some yoga. You getting yeah. into yoga? Uh, that would just <laughs> not be, that would not be good, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I trained my daughter, and, and you know, and, and we've worked through this a lot, and, and basically, as a rule of thumb, 
even and she's a good runner i mean she's 116 half marathon or 34 10k is she a so, cyclist or are you training no she's her? a she's a runner oh she okay does, but but it's the same it's endurance is endurance i mean the, the, right. the principles are the same and, and what i was going to say is is you know she handles two hard sessions a week well but mm -hmm. not three right. you know when she's tried to do a little extra but two she'll do one long run at low intensity and then but two kind of interval based sessions that even those are a bit different in character but right. but what i was going to get at is that as just a rule of thumb we never schedule two two hard sessions without two days in between that are more low intensity and and so it may need to be three but it it's never less than two uh right. in a over a long period you can do it periodically but over the long time frames of training you know that just creates room creates air in the program and recovery time now that doesn't mean those days in between you're not doing anything those are extensive they can be two hour mm -hmm. rides they might be three hour ride you know but you're not really putting the pedal to the metal on those rides you're not getting that big stress response yeah. and so forth and so just mm -hmm. as that you know, I, we talked, my daughter is the one that used the term for me. She said, Papa, I, I, I'm feeling the flow of my training. And that, that's a good thing. You know, it, the training is flowing is right. the way she describes it. And I think that's what we're looking for is trying to find at an individual level that, that rhythm, you know, that says, yeah, about every, you know, I, if I do a hard day, I go two days easy and then I'm kind of gearing it up and I'm ready to go hardish again, you know, and, and, and I, I'm in a rhythm that, that mm -hmm. works. It's sustainable. And my body responds. And one of the ways you can check that is if you do a hard interval, uh, you know, a, a full on 20 or 30 minute race on Zwift, there's plenty of them. You should be able to hit your max heart rate. Oh yeah. You know, you should be able to get up to your max heart rate or very close plus minus a couple of beats. Mm -hmm. And if you're finding that you're just not getting there, even in yeah. a really short stick, these, these criteriums, if you're still not getting there, then you're tired. You know, you're, yeah. your body is trying to tell you the brakes are on, you know, cause if you do one of those races and you say, well, I didn't even get past you know, I was at 91% of heart rate at the end. Well, then the brakes are on my friend. You need to, you need to, you know, give yourself some rest and then you'll be able to mobilize that last gear. It's a very common, very common thing that will happen with, with athletes. I even had one time I got an email from someone. They said, Hey, I finally, I started doing this polarized training and my maximum heart rate has gone up 10 beats. He says, I think I've been chronically over overreached for 10 years. <laughs> so, so he, Thanks like, for finally it's, listening. No. <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. You had to wait 10 years to figure this figure out, but, but yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you, your body, the body, the sympathetic parasympathetic balance can get shifted. We've got lots of research on it where you literally will, you know, become kind of parasympathetically um, hyperactive and, and the brakes are on and the body's just not, it's kind of keeping you from turning on full gas. I don't know if it, we can think of it as a protective mechanism or, or what, but at any rate, what usually solves it is easing up, taking a bit of rest, you know, and chilling out and then the energy comes back. Yeah. So with that, no pain, no gain, I like this in your, in your Ted talk, no pain, no gain, or is this too much pain for very little gain? 
I like, I like yeah, that well, uh, tagline. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in the no oh, pain, so did no I. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, run through the wall. If you're playing football, you know, the coach would just send us mm-hmm. and, and, and if you weren't suffering, then you weren't working. And, and what I was just trying to say is, look, you, these heroes, your, your great athletes that you admire, that you've watched in the Olympics and so forth, that's not the way they train. They can't, no. they just can't train at full gas red line every day it doesn't work that way the body is has rhythms i mean and it's the same with horses i mean you can every type of animal you see the one if you want to stress them out if you want to kill them you just create this bait this this you know chronic medium hard stress and they you will first freak them out and then they'll eventually die uh, so it's a it's a common pathology uh and and so athletes have figured this out they they have to have a rhythm they have to have a you know we talk about pacing in races yeah uh, it's the same you have to pace yourself in your training you have to find this pace that allows you occasionally to do the sprint but it but also allows you to come back down settle because you're in the long it in in the in the long term it's always a marathon in a, in the sense that training is is the long haul you know, yeah. so it's your mar- your training is always a kind of an ultra or marathon event, mm-hmm. if you think of it that way. And, and, and so you're not going to sprint, you know, the start of a, of a marathon. That's not going to be a good tactic, you know, so, and it's yes, neither. Yes, I think everybody's done that at least once. Don't go out hard. Take it a little easy. Yeah. Give it at the end. Pick your battles, you know, and, 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 and mentally be you know, in any kind of tough workout or race, it's often, I don't know, between 50% and 70% of the way through the, the race, that's where this doubt, this comp- this conversation kicks in in your brain between you and your body, your brain and your body, where the body's starting to say, man, this is just not fun at all. And the brain is saying, yeah, but I've already made a commitment to that, you know, and, and, and then you have to, you know, you have to decide what your, what is, what's, what are your comebacks going to be when your body starts revolting in that critical phase? Cause you know, and if often when you get past that phase, if you get past that phase without giving in, without, then you, you have a good race and you, then you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, you see the finish yeah. line, you know, but so it's very common the, the, the way our brains work and act and deal with stress, with, with pain, with in these things. And so, but you can't, you can't go there every day. You just yeah, can't, no, you know. I, I think of that, that expression and, and you do hear it a lot and it's kind of, I'll say it's kind of like an, I don't like an ego. It's like, you know, you can push more, like you should be feeling pain right now. And I, and I think of them like, you know, I was, I was, and I was thinking about like when I've kind of used it, or maybe I said it to myself, right? And I'm like, you know, should I be feeling it or am I pushing hard enough for me right now? Like, can I push more? Um, and you know, that's like no pain, no gain, you know, like does, doesn't, if, if you're not pushing harder, then you're not making those gains that you've been working towards, or this is part of the process of training. Like you have to feel in pain all the time to get those gains. But, and I was just thinking about like, 
you know, what you're saying. And I'm like, God, I really, you know, need to um, figure, find something else to say other than yeah, that well, expression. Because it's, it's, it's kind of work. <laughs> Training is boring at times. I mean, it's doing the oh, work, know. you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got to be good at being bored. Uh, if you want to be a good endurance athlete, you have to yeah. embra embrace the suck, as they say in the Marines, I think, is that you're going to do runs or, or rides that aren't, there's nothing exciting about it. It's just getting out there, getting on your bike, it's cold, it's damp, and you ride for three hours, and you've done, you've created the stimuli for adaptation, you've done a good job. There were no PRs, no Strava records, no anything, <laughs> oh, uh, but it's part of the process. Yeah. And, and that being able to understand the importance of boredom, because if you're not bored on mm -hmm. in a good way, and you know, in other words, just nothing is very meaningful is happening in this ride other than I am just getting up to 68% of my heart rate. I'm just burning fat and I'm, you know, adapting if you can't embrace that, then you won't have those long-term gains, you know, because, Hey, in a race, I would like to be in a situation where I'm actually saying, you know what? I'm two hours in, there's two hours to go and I feel good. Do you yeah. think at that point I'm going to be thinking, Oh shit, I should be feeling bad right now. I need to do something to make myself more tired. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to be thinking <laughs> fantastic. The other guy's struggling. I'm still within myself. Yeah. And that's what that training process is all about is, is I want to be able to go farther into the race, deeper into the race without starting to encroach on my limits, because I want to have a place to go up in my head in that final 30 minutes or hour or whatever it may be, where we're going to decide. Now we're going to decide, you know, yeah. if it's, if it's an hour and a half Zwift race, it'll come down in the last 20 minutes. If, 20 minutes. If it's a six hour race on the road and you know, one of the classics flounder and ruined, you know, it'll be the last hour, but it always right. comes down to, to that. And, and how have you managed your energy disutilization? How have you, yeah. you know, have you kept yourself under the radar? Have you protect? Well, that's training too. It's the same thing, yeah. you know, right. So good, great racers probably also are pretty good at, at, at stay, being cool, you know, when they have to. Uh, I don't know if you know the, the guy, Cadell Evans, yeah. Tour de France winner from Australia. Mm -hmm. He's about 42, three now he's retired. Uh, I've actually ridden with him on Zwift. That's my claim to fame in, Zwift. <laughs> yeah, in a group ride with, with Cadell Evans. Uh, but what I was going to say is the story was, cause I was doing a little bit of work with, with a team he had been on. I, I met some athletes that he worked with and they told a story about how, you know, the youngsters at a training camp, they obviously they're gun ho and they want to demonstrate, you know, that they deserve to be there. And often it's training camps or some climbing stuff and there'll be, they'll do use climbs as an interval workout. And, but Cadell Evans just wasn't pushing those heels very hard, they said, and they couldn't understand it. They, you know, Cadell Evans, he's the greatest and, and he's not, he's not working very hard. And so one of, oh, I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. No, you ask him. I'm not going to ask him. He's Tour de France. <laughs> And so finally, one of these youngsters says, okay, I'll, I'll ask him, you know, and, well, Cadell, man, you know, we know how good you are, but it doesn't seem like you're really pushing on these, these climbs, you know, these intervals. He says, well, mate, you know, <laughs> it's a long season and we're in January. And, oh, geez. 
<laughs> I got I got to be at my best in July. You know, I'm pacing myself. I'm you know, and so it was just kind of trying to give them an understanding of this is yeah. Every day is not a race, my friend. You know, and and so but but for those youngsters, every every workout was a proving ground. They felt yeah, yeah, yeah. that they had to demonstrate they had to test themselves they had to prove themselves the young lions oh boy that that is dangerous that gets them you know that's what gets you in trouble whereas Cadell had gotten past that and he didn't have to prove anything yeah. and, but so he could just think what, what do i need to do today to mm -hmm. stack to add up to a sustainable progression towards when the audience will be expecting me to perform yeah. you know that's kind of the prima donna you know, we, yeah. we use that term prima donna as it's a negative term. Oh. And and I, I learned from a, you know, I was at a seminar where the, the Olympic Federation of Norway was working with the opera and, and they were using this terminology and, and they said, look, the prima donna has a bad rap because often they have these specific demands and so forth. He said, but the reason the prima donna has those demands is because number one, the prima donna, that that's there are expectations, you know, the, they are the main attraction. That's why they call them the prima donna and the audience has huge expectations and the, they feel the pressure. That's number one. And number two, they know precisely what they need to perform under those conditions. Right. Right. Well, that's uh -huh. the elite athlete as well yeah. is you're not, it's not arrogance or it's, it's being very tuned in to, I know what's going to be expected of me on these occasions or you know when i'm facing this opponent on a smaller scale and this is what i need to be ready for that for those occasions mm -hmm. and i have to be true to that and i can't be can't be distracted by the little you know small dogs barking at my heels along <laughs> the way you know yeah. <laughs> because i'm worried about the big dog i'm going to be competing with yeah, in july yeah. And so that's kind of that prima donna mentality. It's not necessarily a negative thing, but it often gets kind of construed as negative. Oh, you're just a prima donna. But oh. in reality, that just means, oh, you really know what is what expected of you and you know what it takes to get to be ready. So yeah. in, in reality, that's a great way of being described if you're an athlete, you know. Hmm. I like being described as a prima donna. <laughs> well, <laughs> to live into it though. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, <laughs> we just have to remember where that term comes from. It comes from right. the opera. It comes from the 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 woman that walks out on that stage, and when they walk out, everybody's suddenly silent because they know big things are going to happen. You know, this right. is where the magic happens. You know, well, that's that's a lot of pressure. You know. Yeah, I love that, and I also love the fact that you have to get comfortable with being bored. Um, yeah. I've heard it from a lot of you know my my uh, guests especially like joe and jim <laughs> embrace the boredom um yeah. because that's part of you know what what training is about like you can't expect to have a you know be watching netflix when you're outside or or <laughs> be, you right. know being you know being entertained all the time um and i i kind of i like that be, you know i don't set myself up too much for for watching things i do set up podcasts and i do uh, like say watch a um, a flow sport uh race uh, uh, and i you know like to just get into being like part of a 
part of the the group that's racing you know it's it's more like the visual like you know i'm training and i've got my watching my dad on the side and and i'm listening to something that's motivating and and i've got the race in front and and uh yeah i'm not a, a netflix binger when i'm on my bike oh, I, I can't do that yeah partly if, just because i've got the way i've got my technology set up but, but i just I watch, I watch these avatars. I try to kind of yeah. feel like I'm in the group and then I may be listening. If, if it's an easy day, I'm listening to a podcast or some easy music. If it's a race, then I'll, I've got my, you know, rock and roll legends from the seventies uh -huh. or whatever, you know, <laughs> or the eighties. You know, we all go back to what we, you know, what we listened to when we were 17, I think is in those situations. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I think we all have to just find our, uh, our rhythm, but boredom I, in, in so many different settings, I've heard this, that boredom is not a bad thing because boredom mm. is the beginning. It's the start of creativity. It's the initiator mm. of innovation. It's, you know, teaching children to be bored, to accept boredom and, and work through it and figure stuff oh. out instead of being entertained. You know, we've just got too much people, too much of a problem of expectations of entertainment. So it's not just in training uh, that we see this, but boredom is okay, you know, and, and it creates a baseline that makes you more appreciative of those, those moments when something exciting happens or when you do take off the brakes and really ride hard and push your limits and so forth. So you, you get that, you create that, that, you know, this, this undulation that the body and the brain seem to need. We need mm -hmm. very variation in the load uh, i think that's relevant for working and so forth it's okay to take a break it's okay to work super hard and then take yeah. a super break and play a video game or whatever that, that's just the way our brains function yeah. or they function well when we allow that to happen you know yeah no i like that and god you just said kids and i, <laughs> I don't want to take it off to a whole but i was just thinking of my kids you know oh i'm so bored i'm cool you got right. tons of things you can be doing right now like right. why <laughs> why the Look, border I, I, I grew up in the country we didn't yeah, me have too. on the any, farm like I didn't, I didn't even see a computer till i was 18 in college you know <laughs> i didn't even know uh, it was so funny because i think that's I was, the best I'm yeah, like and so i was outdoors fishing at seven o'clock in the morning before the bus came i was had a laboratory under the stairs i just yeah, I lived, I, I went out and looked for crawdads and things to explore and look at under the microscope. So I, I don't get this whole boredom thing is kids need to be just exploring their universe, exploring mm -hmm. their world. But unfortunately, I, I would almost say, unfortunately for the kids today, they are just bombarded with stimuli and they, they don't, they've not gotten to experience that the wonderfulness of being lost in a task mm -hmm. you know like you know going out doing something as ridiculous as going and scooping up some pond water and putting it under the microscope thinking you're going to discover new organisms you know you're 12 <laughs> years old and well of course i didn't but i had so much fun and the hours just drifted away and my parents would have to go find me under the stairs because you know because i was just absorbed in all this stuff well, because there just really weren't that many competing signals. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. not much else going on. So it was easier, I think, to kind of yeah. get lost in discovery, 
in you know yeah. in in your own discovery and not that you that it hasn't been done a thousand times before but you were discovering it for yourself and that can also be true in in training you know it's just getting lost in the discovery process run yeah. right alone run alone sometimes just in in and be oh, yeah. bored, but tune in to your breathing, tune in to the rhythms of your body. There's so many different rhythms you can mm-hmm. lock into and explore. Uh, so I think that's another thing that we should be doing more of. And, and is, you know, even when I was coaching, I would use this, like with rowing, I would try to get the junior rowers. I said, I want you to listen, listen to the sounds of the boat as you search for speed as you try to accelerate when do you hear the boat when you know it's it's at speed it's you know it's it's right. there's but i said can you hear the bubbles that emerge that you start to f- get bubbles on the water surface you know the, now this Ooh, is give me chills but but, but that's I can, you know what i'm saying it. is it's right. that's that is tuning in to all the signals that that are provided to us if we just care to listen to see mm-hmm. and, and that can help us understand how our bodies are responding how the yeah. bike how we are connecting to the bike what is the you know what is happening with when you go into the hill how are you breathing how what's the delay between the demand of the hill and how quickly your brain, your body is responding to that with an increase in breathing. Can you do some, can you anticipate that? turns out you can. So there's different, you know, we can play with our, with all of this and become little kind of, I won't say scientists, but you know what I'm saying to explore how our bodies work. And sometimes the best way to do that is when you're alone and you're not distracted, you know, you can just kind of get inside that and, and of course, Zwift's a good place. You can do it on Zwift because you're inside. The conditions are more controlled. So yeah. I, I use it as just an ex- to experiment. And I, I'm a sports scientist. I, I'm a physiologist. I've been doing this for years. And yet I still, at this age, by doing it every day, I still discover interesting questions. I still get mm-hmm. questions that come into my mind. Mm-hmm. because I'm sweating and working and seeing how things happen into my body every day. So I, I don't think that should ever stop, you know, and, and even though I'm all alone and I'm sitting for three hours riding, people say, Oh, you must be bored out of your mind. I'm not really, because there's a lot going on up in here. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's not like, like an empty shell. I should get off the bike. It's been a while. <laughs> But, but man, there's so much, you know, we got to use our brain, let our brains un you know, let them unlock and, and, and do what they, it's like, I don't know, sometimes the brain, it's like a horse. It's like a, that's got all the, you know, you take all the bridle, take the saddle off and let the thing run, let that brain go, you know? That's how I feel on my, anyways, we could talk like, like, that's how I feel on my bike when I'm by myself. I'm just riding as fast as I want or as slow as I want. I just feel that it's, I always, I always think about horseback riding when, cause I used to ride on horses when we were at our farm and I'm like, Oh, just the freedom, but <laughs> we're still going down a whole other, we're at the top of the hour and I could just continue. Like when you were talking about the sounds like of the boat, I was just thinking like the sounds of racing and the cues you listen for 
oh, yeah. um, with your riders around you. You know, the changing of gears, the the breathing, the accelerating. Oh, yeah. The breathing, the, the breathing is is so fundamental yeah. in sports. And whether it's MMA, boxing, you know, what do they do between the rounds? They'll say, mm -hmm. ah, he's, he's breathing hard. You've got him gassed. Go get, finish him. You know, so it's, it's. Are they looking tired? Yeah. Do you oh, think you listen, can take you know, them? In, in famous moments in cycling yeah. when they're looking at each other and trying mm -hmm. to get a feel for how tired, how are you feeling? We're climbing this mountain together. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're looking. Are you, you know, and you're, you're trying to capture signals that say, take him, take him now. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. trying, he's pretending like he's under control. She's pretending like she's got her act together, but she's on the ragged edge. If I yeah. push 10 Watts harder, if I take it up, I can drop her, you know, that that's all, that's all this stuff. And, and uh, it's fun, but it's part of, you know, using all of your senses yeah. Uh, and, and you got to tune them in, you got to tune into them in training or they're not going to be calibrated in, in, in competition. So I think that's just, yeah. I, and what I always, always say to people is look, every workout, there is something to be very intentional about, even at low intensity, you know, even if it's today is a two hour, three hour, easy ride, you're not going to, you know, you can say, but today I'm going to focus on, and then what is it? Is it drinking? Is it, uh, you know, being consistent with cadence? Is it, you know, there's different things you can work on within the intensity of the prescription that make you a better rider. You become a, a you know, more tuned in rider so you can give yourself homework to do during these boring rides, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that I, you know, because cycling, if you're going to do road racing, for example, you've got to manage, for example, manage your hydration. You've got to manage your energy intake. So practice that, you know, don't think it's going to happen automatically for you in the race if you never are tuned into it and practice yeah. in training. So that's something you can train. You train your body, your brain and your body to drink, you know, and, mm -hmm. and know that even because thirst is not going to be sufficient. You're going to have to almost use a, a clock. When I'm doing Zwift rides, I just tell myself every 15 minutes, drink, mm -hmm. you know, because I sweat like crazy. So I just, you know, if I wait on my thirst mechanism to do the job, I'll, I'll be too far behind. I'll be quite dehydrated. Mm -hmm. So that's practice. Got to practice. All right, guys. Well, with those last words of wisdom from Steve, we are going to bring it to an end. This has been amazing. Oh my gosh, we're at the top of the hour. Um, and I know you guys don't see the hour because like we've just been chatting, but <laughs> we've been chatting for a long time. We've been chatting about a lot of stuff. I hope you guys took some great nuggets um, of wisdom from Steve and maybe applying it to your training going forward, wherever you are in your training plan, wherever, like when you start, when you hear this, but um, please remember to subscribe and put on your notifications and share this with others who you think will really benefit or even not like this is just great listening. Um, and Steve is an amazing wealth of knowledge. Um, we'll have to have you back, you know, after the summer and, and just do like a quick analysis as to how the trainings affected the summer stuff and, and, um, what you're up to with regards to, um, your research and things like that. 
So love bringing people back um, just to, you know, follow up as what's going on. So remember to put your notifications on so you don't ever miss an episode from Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Steve. Um, and it's been My a pleasure. massive pleasure. Thanks. I'll, I'll come back later and we'll chat some more. Hi, welcome to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling with your host, Sylvie Dew and Stephen Seller. So Stephen comes from, uh, like he's um, originally from the US and he's been based in Norway for the last 25 years where he's been working on research and he's a te teacher as well and a leader. He is the past vice rector of research and innovation, past dean of facility of health and sciences at the University of Agder in Kazakhstan, Norway. Sorry. Seller has been internationally recognized for his research publications and lectures related to the organization of endurance training and intensity distribution. And we're going to talk some about that. We're going to have some fun today and, you know, no numbers. We just like to keep it simple and, you know, just talk about feelings and things like that. So welcome. I hope you guys enjoy our discussion today. Have a good one. We'll see you there. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then... Have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.